Week one of the 2015 Major League Soccer season is in the books, and of course, there's plenty to talk about. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly, back from Orlando. Is Ivis Golarsef? How's it going, man? It's going pretty well, Garrett. Um, uh, it's uh, believe it or not, the sun is out in New Jersey. The snow is melting. I came back from Orlando and. It was like a completely different place. So feeling pretty good. Uh, week one is in the books. Thank Lord. I got to tell you, week one, the week leading into the opener, opening week of this MLS season is always pretty crazy when it comes to all the stuff we have to do. But then when you threw in the labor talks, it was just a nightmare, crazy, crazy week or two. But all that's behind us. And now we can just talk about what was an absolutely exciting and entertaining MLS week one. No, you're definitely right. And I mean, you had a chance, like I said, you were in Orlando. You had, you had an opportunity to watch them host NYCFC. But uh, Ivis, I mean, for Orlando, you, you've been to a lot of MLS cities. Uh, first week for them. I and mean, how, how was the experience down there? Well, it, you can tell right away the city really is embracing uh, the team. It, it really has already become a part of the fabric down there. You know, obviously, I spent I spent five days. Uh, I was downtown. I, I pretty much was in that downtown area, and you got you really got a good vibe that that people there are fully aware about Orlando City. They know that team is on its way, and it was ready to start. And people are pretty excited there. You know, it's not like they have a, a ton of pro sports teams. They obviously have the Orlando Magic, uh, but this this Orlando City team could absolutely take over. And be the toast of the town there, and, and as you saw with the with the turnout, you know more than more than sixty two thousand fans were there. Uh, apparently, Phil Rollins says they could have probably filled it up to eighty if they had an eighty thousand seat stadium. Uh, the people there are really going crazy for the team, and you know early signs are that they're going to have a pretty decent team, uh, definitely an entertaining team. So that's perfect. You definitely need mm-hmm. that because you want to you want to be able to capture. Uh, and hold on to that that interest, that that initial interest that expansion teams usually can can spark up. So I'll tell you what, all signs are positive right now in Orlando, and I think they're going to do big things in years to come. Well, this past week, as we mentioned, they uh, they played host to the other expansion team, NYCFC. Ivis game ended in a uh, in a one one draw. There's plenty to talk about in this one, but I mean, look, of course, the big names come through at the end. Mixed disgruit for NYCFC, then Kaká at the very end for Orlando City. I mean, it did look at times throughout the majority of this match that it was going to end in a scoreless draw. But uh, but we had some late fireworks, which which was nice to see. And for Orlando, I mean, Kaká scoring that goal in the I think the ninety first minute. Uh, I mean, big big moment for them, obviously, to at least walk away with the first game at home as a draw. Well, I don't know if it was a game that felt like it was going to be zero zero. I actually thought Orlando City looked like they were going to score. On uh, quite a few occasions, uh, especially in the first half, Orlando City was the better team. They created some really dangerous chances. I got to say, everyone knows about Kaká, but the one player who really kind of stood out and and he's someone that a lot of people were talking about in the preseason is Kevin Molino, uh, the former USL Pro uh, MVP. He's a guy who, you know, Adrian Heath and Phil Rollins, they've been telling me for some time now, this kid is legit. He is going to uh, terrorize defenses in MLS, and we already saw week one. We saw some flashes of what he can do. He's a really electric player, and and Orlando City they they took it to New York in the first half. Credit to Jason Kreis's team; they were they were organized. They they didn't you know while they did bend, they didn't necessarily break, and uh, you know they they held it together, uh, kept the match close. And in the second half, I thought they they took a little bit of control. You had a uh, mixed discrude and Ned Grabovoid doing a really good job in the midfield. Uh, and when Mixed Discrude scores that goal, you kind of feel like like it, it, it was like spoiling this perfect day, this perfect storybook beginning for Orlando City um, with, with the visiting team coming in and and, and possibly winning. So uh, it, it was just so fitting to see Kaká deliver at the end. And you could see you could see how much it meant to him. I mean, a guy who's a legendary player, he's won a World Cup. He's he's been Ballon d'Or. He's 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 played at Madrid and Milan. And and he you know he said it's one of the most emotional goals that he's ever scored. So he uh, perfect perfect ending, almost perfect ending. I'm sure Orlando fans was Orlando City fans will say oh, a win would have been perfect, but overall it was a perfect cap to what was a, an unforgettable day. Um, I also thought that I mean, look, if also another thing. Well, look, my thoughts on, on Orlando were. Uh, it just seemed like the the more the game progressed, it just seemed like Orlando became further and further away from from scoring a goal. Does that make sense? It seemed like Orlando had chances, but they could never convert it, and it just seemed ripe for NYCFC to get that opening goal. But I mean, Orlando, I agree, man. Kevin Milan looked awesome in this match. I also thought Rafael Ramos looked great going forward. Also, if Carlos Rivas can learn how to stay on side, Ivis. I mean, he'll have a huge year for Orlando. 
Well, he's you know he's he's a he's an exciting young player, obviously. Uh, when I, look, I want to give NYCFC some credit just because you know obviously it's easy to forget that these are two expansion teams coming into the season. We all kind of agreed that Orlando City was ahead of NYC in terms of building a full squad. But even with that, for uh, the the group that Christ put on the field, you know they they did a pretty decent job after some early game jitters. I mean, you could tell I think in the first half that there were some nerves, there was some tightness there, and and I think in the second half they they loosened up a bit. Uh, Mixed this group, I gotta say, for our first game, he was really outstanding. Mm-hmm. He uh, uh, he kept the ball moving. I think he he had like seventy two of seventy five completed passes, some something in that range. I think he completed uh, like twenty more passes than anyone else in the league in the first week. So I mean, he was very tidy in the midfield, and then to score that goal. Uh, some positive signs there, and obviously David Villa. Let's not forget. I, I thought he did, he did well as well. Even though he didn't actually get a shot on goal, he helped set up Discru's goal with a, with a nice pass, and he also drew the red card uh, on Aurelian Collins. So uh, some positive signs there for NYC. Now, if you're Orlando, obviously you're excited with some of the attacking play. You're not necessarily happy about the diving, and there was diving. And I know Adrian Heath, after the match, was to, was was a little concerned about referees looking for that a little too much. But I don't really think that's what it was. I really just think the team there, there were moments when there were dives there. And and as an example, Kevin Molino on one play, he was getting tugged a, a bit. He he had gotten nudged. But then he followed that up with a clear attempt to kick out and draw contact and fall. Whereas if he had just kept running, he pro- he draws the foul. He if he doesn't look for that contact. And and same uh, in the penalty area, I think it was uh, Igita, who on a on a play where you know if he get if he just it doesn't try to go for the dive, he's in on goal. So I think you know if anything is it's it's, it's not about the refs. I think it's just a, you know I think if Adrian Heath wants to talk to his team and tell him, listen, the uh, the the referees in MLS are not necessarily going to go for these uh, these dives. So you, you gotta you know stay on your feet and look to make the play. So. Um, and then you have Aurelian Colin, obviously, that that challenge. He didn't feel it was a red card. I think most people saw uh, it was a high boot, and and that looked, you know, it could have been, it could have, you could have injured David Villa. So I think in, in that regard, it was, uh, uh, I think it was a pretty fair red card. Uh, I know, I know, obviously, I know people in Orlando disagree. I know Aurelian Colin disagree, but you know, you, you put yourself at risk when you when you you have the boot that high up. Uh, I will say this though, one of the one of the more entertaining stories off of that incident. Is the fact that Aurelian Collin had the had the he was in the locker room for the end of the match and uh, he was watching the game on his phone on his MLS Live <laughs> app and 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 you know the the, the MLS Live app's about a minute and a half or two minutes behind the regular games so here he is in the bowels of the Citrus Bowl uh, by himself in the locker room and then he hears this cheer before he the you know and it's the goal and he doesn't even realize the goal scored because his phone's like two minutes behind so here's the loud roar. And he doesn't. He's not quite sure what that is. So he's like praying it's the goal. It turned out it was the goal, and uh, he he got let off the hook a bit there because he definitely could have been the goat on opening day on his birthday, mind you. He did. It was actually Colin's birthday that he, that he uh, celebrated with a red card. But uh, you know, all things being equal, it was a uh, 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 I think a just just finished. I think it was it was fitting. Mm-hmm. Both teams deserved to get a point out of that match. Was, uh, one other thing for me though was the, the impressive. I, th- I thought Kyrie Shelton in his MLS debut looked pretty good for NYCFC. I'm looking forward to watching him throughout the season. Moving on, Ivis looking at other games heading out to the West Coast. Seattle Sounders all over the New England Revolution, defeating them. 3-0, to zero. Clint Dempsey goes off with the brace. Oba Febby Martins has a goal in this one. More importantly, Ivis, Seattle's defense, where people have been to pay attention to, they looked solid throughout the match, and they defeat New England Revolution 3-0. to zero. That was a very convincing win for Seattle. Uh, they dominated. They, they look, absolutely looked like a team that could, that, that could win it all this year. Um, funny enough, the, the, that matchup is my MLS Cup predict, predicted matchup. Uh, and it didn't quite go go as I predicted for the MLS Cup. But again, MLS Cup is a long time from now. Jermaine Jones wasn't there. That's obviously a big absence for New England because he's really an anchor for them. But look, n- not to take anything away from Seattle, they look really, really sharp. And they look like a team that could win everything this year. They could win MLS Cup, Supporters Shield, you name it. I know it's only one week, but we've seen we've seen them play at this level. And there were some concerns coming in, obviously, about their team and questions about the defense, replacing Yedlin. Moving at Brad Evans, the center back, how would all that pan out? And and early signs, based on the early signs the first week, it's looking pretty good. And obviously, if you're in New England, you're still working out some kinks defensively. Uh, AJ Soares is gone. Now you have Andrew Farrell in the middle. They Him and Andrew Farrell and Gonsalves need to work things out centrally. 
But at least for the opening week, Seattle looks like, for me, they look like the most dangerous team in the league. They like they look like the best team in the league. Well, also, the other thing is um, New England also didn't have Lee Wynn as well, too. So missing Lee Wynn and Jermaine Jones, I mean, that that's going to be huge. You know, huge two, I mean, your two biggest pieces missing from your midfield. I mean, very tough to overcome I mean, two important guys like that. Right, right. So, I mean, again, it's only one week. It's only one game. I don't think anyone needs to start throwing dirt on uh, on New England, right? I mean, it's just the first week of the season. Um, so, you know, take it for what it is. But if, if you're Seattle, if, you, if you're, you know, a fan of Seattle and you had your kind of concerns coming in about certain issues like right back and how would Tyrone Mears look, the new right back that they brought in to replace Seattle, uh, there were some questions there. So, uh, you know. I thought, I thought he had a great debut for Seattle. Was, well, yeah, exactly. Well, that's the whole point. He, he looked good. Brad Evans was solid. Uh, and as far as New England goes, need I remind folks in, uh, to follow New England, last year's opening game for New England, do you remember what happened? Oh, last year? You don't remember. It's no, okay. I have a horrible they memory. Lost, you remember they all lost, these things. They lost to Houston. In, they lost to Houston in Houston 4-0. to zero. Oh. So if you look at that, the, the season still ended up going pretty well for them. Uh, I, I still remember that game because Jose Gonzalez had a blunt, had a, just an absolute shocker in that game. So, you know, it, I think if anyone can just think about that and, and know that, you know, starting slow doesn't necessarily doom you. New England actually started 0-2-1. Uh, and actually won three and one to start the season before the, you know they went on the roller coaster. But if I'm if I'm New England, I'm not worrying too much. Lee Wynn and Jermaine Jones will be back eventually, and once those two guys are in, it's a completely different team. Uh, staying on the West Coast, the opening game I miss of the uh, MLS season was on Friday night, and that was when LA Galaxy hosted Chicago Fire. LA after. Uh, quite some time, eventually did find a, uh, find the back of the net. Jose Villarreal in the 65th minute. Robbie Keane adds a very nice goal in the 81st minute. And uh, LA Galaxy, I miss their uh, the start, season starts on the right foot for them, defeating Chicago 2-0. to zero. Uh, It's pretty much as expected. I don't know anyone who thought Chicago was really going to go in and, and challenge the Galaxy because, again, they're a team that has rebuilt their roster. I mean, other than the expansion teams, no team in MLS – uh, has as many new faces on their team as Chicago. I mean, they, it's a complete. I mean, I think they they should probably wear name tags on the front of their jerseys, uh, not just the names on the back, because these guys still need to get to learn each other. And we knew it would be a slow start, but it was beyond a slow start. Chicago looked awful. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know any other way to say it. They looked pretty bad. The second half was uh, I, was pretty bad. Right. I mean, it's it's it's. It's it's not a positive sign. I'm not ready to, to to say oh they're doomed. They're not. They have no chance of turning it around. Uh, but it was pretty ugly. Now, if you're the Galaxy, you're pretty happy. Uh, just not not just because of the result, but Jaime Pinedo didn't play. You had Jose Villarreal in in the starting lineup, showing what he can do, and obviously he did really well, mm-hmm. uh, taking full advantage of that. So I'm mean, a lot of positive things. I'm sure. Look, Robbie Keane obviously was pretty frustrated with the way the day went, <laughs> and then he finally gets his goal, and uh, he had a very interesting goal celebration. And I have to wonder if there's a fine coming. Uh, it won't be a suspension, but I do think a fine is in order when you, you can't, you just can't do that. You just can't ha- make vulgar. <laughs> vulgar you know motions uh in the middle of a game you know it's a high profile thing i mean even though it was like midnight on the west coast you still can't do that but uh overall very good game la looks sharp uh they're not they're gonna be right there they're gonna be one of the powers of the league uh they and seattle are are kind of in that rarefied air i would have thrown new england in there uh to start the season but as we saw new england's gonna take a bit to hit the hit their stride, but for right now, LA and Seattle are the class of MLS. I thought Keen's celebration was funny. It was, it was also interesting to see him get so frustrated throughout the match, and he just felt like that he was just going to eventually score a goal. Just the angrier and angrier he got as the match went on. Yeah, no. Well, I'm sure he wasn't alone. I'm sure anyone who had Robbie Keen on their fantasy team and as their fantasy captain was pretty frustrated at how things were going like <clears throat> like me um but uh you know it was uh, you know it was it was good it was a good performance no no one should have been surprised that that LA dominated Chicago with the fire there's some serious questions there defensively are they good enough are they going to be good enough and Jeff Laurentovitz look he's a veteran he's had some great seasons he had, he's had a pretty great career MLS Cup champion with Colorado uh, he was an uh, absolute standout with New England, but you have to wonder: Does he have it anymore? Is he ha- is he have anything left to give as a top end starter, or even as a regular starter? Uh, so, uh, for all the moves that Chicago made, they they still kind of feel like they have an incomplete team. They don't really have that defensive midfield presence. Their central defense is, doesn't isn't great. 
and if you don't have that backbone, you can't compete in MLS. I don't care who you have in the attack. So that that's going to be the real question: is is are they going to be able to with the players they already have form uh, form enough of a, a, a stable defensive spine mm-hmm. to to compete? And I'm not sure if they have that. Well, they also need other players to contribute to the attack. I mean, ship can't Harry, I mean, Harry Ship can't do everything for the Chicago Fire. And if you're not watching Fire games, watch him. I mean, Harry Ship is so much fun to watch. He's I mean, he's, he's going to be a great town for years to come. And staying in the West Coast, Toronto FC defeats Vancouver 3-1. to Josie Altador makes his mark back in Major League Soccer with the brace in this one at PK late at the end of the game. And for Toronto, Ivis, good start so far for them. Yeah, they looked they look the part. And, you know, we said coming into the season, if Greg Vanny could figure out all the pieces and, and get the pieces to fit together, they could be... A uh, real force. They could be one of the stronger teams in the league, and for it's an again one match only. But for them to go on a road against the Vancouver team that's supposed to be pretty solid, they took care of business. Second half, they really turned it on. Uh, Michael Bradley was was very good. Giovinco was outstanding. Josie Altador was outstanding. And it's funny to me because I know there were people who had their doubts about Josie Altador and how he would look, do. How you would do an MLS, and you know maybe these people just don't have they have short memories. They don't remember that when he was in when Altador was in MLS as a youngster, as a teenager, he was dominant then, and he's he's twice the player now than he was then. And I know he struggled at Sunderland, he was awful in the Premier League, but I had zero doubts he was going to come to MLS and tear it up. And and he's off to a great start there. Him and Giovinco, they're going to work magic together. Uh, so positive start mm-hmm. for them. Uh, as for Vancouver. Uh, it's a first match. There were some signs there. They, I mean, they, they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. I just think they ran into a, a team that was a little bit better, a little bit ahead of them, in, in not only in, in just in in their preparations leading into the season, but I just think a team that's a, is more talented. I mean, they have more star power than, yeah. than Vancouver has. So uh, if you're a Vancouver fan, you, you're obviously going to be upset that you lost at home to Toronto of all teams, but <laughs> I still think they're going to be right there. I think they're going to compete for a playoff spot. Uh, but that you know, their new forward, Octavio Rivero's got to finish chances when he's five feet in front of the goal, wide open. He he uh, made he made up for it, Ivis, with a goal. He should have had to. There's no other way. You would have finished that goal, okay? I don't Never. know. You could have finished, maybe, almost. You probably, maybe, you know, maybe. five out of ten times, you probably finished that. No, but it, it's uh, you know, again, he he up up and down. He he showed some promises. He showed the qualities why they brought him in. So from that standpoint, you know, you, you come away. Uh, you know, pretty impressed uh, with his debut. Other than that shocker of a miss, I think Vancouver they'll be okay. I think they'll be in that con- in the playoff conversation all year. Oh, yeah, Vancouver got off to a good start in this match, and just like you said, I mean, Toronto just eventually settled into the match and took over. But for Vancouver, I mean, like you said, I mean, you definitely saw signs of. Uh, I mean, they're going to be a good team this year. Also, I did think this was pretty hilarious. The tweet that Josie Atra put out yesterday, following his PK, where there's a young. Vancouver fan giving him a certain gesture. I thought that was pretty funny. I missed yesterday. Um, nice, nice to see that rivalry between the two teams. Uh, also, staying in the West Coast. Seems like every game was in the West Coast this weekend. Portland, Real Salt Lake ends in a fitting scoreless draw, and Nick Ramondo once again finds a way to shut down Portland, who probably had I don't know thirty shots from about five yards out. I mean, I was it it, it seems given. And every single time, these two teams that Nick Ramondo will have the game of his life against the Portland Timbers. Yes, once again, RSL goes into Portland and gives uh, the Timbers a headache, uh, headaches for, for m- m- much of the match. I mean, just think about it through the years. You can think of so many games where Portland creates chances and you look like they're going to score. And usually it's Nick Ramondo with the saves. This time around, it was a combination of Ramondo and his defense clearing shots off the line. I wouldn't put this up there uh, as one of Ramondo's best performances. It was a very good performance, but I think people are are uh, are going a little overboard with, with with comparing this to some. He's had much better performances than this. I'm sorry, it's not even close. But the defense credit Arsenal's defense. They 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 stepped up big. They cleared some shots off the line. Uh, and if you're the Timbers and you can create these kind of chances, put this kind of pressure on, and you're missing Diego Valeri. Will Johnson and and uh, Diego Chara, it's pretty impressive. You're missing your entire midfield triangle, and you can still put chances together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a promising start. Although I'm sure folks in Portland are getting tired of these ties, they're getting tired of the drop points at home. And I'm and no and I, I know we don't have to tell Caleb Porter that. Uh, it, it's something that's definitely puzzled him uh, last year. I, I remember talking to him uh, in preseason about it, and, and it's just kind of a little bit mind boggling that. 
you know, one of the absolutely best atmospheres in the league. You can definitely argue the best atmosphere in the league uh, for as far as home field advantage. And uh, they can't take advantage of it. And here we are again, another game. The chances were there. They had more. They clearly had more chances, but they come away with just a point. If you're RSL, you're okay with that. You're okay. You, a road point's always a good thing. Uh, but you, you like to see your attack uh, do a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I agree with you on that. With RSL, I, I think that we saw kind of what's going to be a theme for them throughout the season. Where well, they'll they'll be able to grind out results, Ivis, but the attack for for RSL is not going to be it's not going to be their strong suit, Ivis. I, th- I think they're going to struggle to score goals this year. Well, I mean, first of all, they're missing Jao Plata. I think he's he's a big part of of what they do when they're clicking offensively. Uh, but yeah, no, I I think they they aren't going to they own, this isn't the team that we've seen in years past. This is not the same RSL team. It's going to get a bit older. Uh, it has gotten a bit older, obviously. Javier Morales, uh, Alvaro Sabarillo, Kyle Breckman. Uh, you, you need guys like Luis Gill and Olmes Garcia, Sebastian Jaime to step it up and keep their attack up there i just don't think they're going to generate the type of chances that they have in years past but they you know they, they they're going they're still going to compete I, I had them taking a step back this year mm-hmm. and and i still believe that's going to be, be the case uh it's just it, it it's just that time i mean they've lost a lot of i mean they've lost so many parts of that dynasty in the last couple of years when you think just run down the list i mean will johnson uh espindola borchers uh he lost olave he came back uh, Wingert, Grabovoy, it, it's just there. It's it's not. I mean, pretty much who do you have left? You have uh, you have Olave, you have Romando, you have Beckerman, and you have Sabarillo. I mean, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for us this year to match the heights that they're used to being at. Uh, sporting Kansas City played New York Red Bull. It's kind of a little weird to see. And when the game started, I was like, oh, good. East Coast showdown. No, wait. Sporting Kansas City is in the West Conference now. They played New York. To a 1-1 draw, Ike Opara had a goal in this one. Nice to see that from him. I believe his last Major League Soccer game was March 29th in 2014. So nice to see good recovery from him. Uh, Lloyd Sam had just a beauty for New York in this one. But the theme, I guess, is going to be Sporting Kansas City and who couldn't put their chances away, namely uh, Dom Dwyer, who, yes, Sporting Kansas City was down a man. But, I mean, Dwyer had, had a few chances, Ivis, to, uh, to put this game on ice late. Oh, you know, it always happens. Once you get married, it all goes downhill. Uh, just kidding. Just kidding, folks. Just kidding. Uh, in case my wife's listening. Um, but, yeah, no, look. <laughs> if, you, if you're Kansas City, uh, on the bright side, you're creating chances. It's the opening week. You you put chances together. Um, and then, you know, the goal they gave up was just an absolute beauty. You can't. You, you just got to tip your cap uh, at, at a point like that. The fact that they were able to hold on to that point, uh, despite uh, losing Matt Beasley to the red card, I think, you come away, you're okay that you just got a point, but uh, yeah, Dom Dwyer's got to finish those. Uh, you know, with with the season he put on put put together last year, expectations are high for him coming into this season. Can he surpass that? Can he be an MVP candidate? So it's definitely it's not the type of start to the season you want if you're Dwyer, and I'm sure his wife Sydney Larue is going to give him some stick for that, and you know probably tell him that she would have finished uh, at least half of those. Um, <laughs> but you know what? It, it is what it is. The there were positive signs. I thought Benny Fellhaber uh, did well for them. Zusi created a ton of chances, um, so they're going to be okay. I, I I've said it. I said it coming into this year. I think Casey's going to rebound. Uh, from last year, which was for me last year, obviously was a disappointment for them, considering they were the defending champions, and the year just didn't go the way they wanted. I think they're going to be back. I think they're going to be a top five team in the league, uh, but slow start for them, and uh, you can't be too happy. Now, Red Bulls, uh, there were some positive signs there. Uh, you, 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 Lloyd Sam with that beautiful goal, mm-hmm. Sasha Kleshton so showing his quality. Felipe did well for them. Uh, I think they did all right. I think it, as a for, as a starting point, uh, the defense there's still questions there. For me, I think they're a little they, they look vulnerable. They look a little vulnerable, and uh, they do. The, the good thing for them is they get a week off uh, to kind of s- sort some things out, and then they return uh, in two weeks with their home opener against DC United, and that's going to be a really tough test for their defense to see where they stand. Well, speaking of DC, they defeated Montreal Impact one to zero. Not the cleanest game, but all that matters is the final result. I did mention this, Ivis. Uh, excuse me, Hira Arietta. Uh, I thought a change of scenery is going to be good for him this year. He does score the game-winning goal uh, in this one in the uh, in the 58th minute, and uh, DC Ivis starting off the season with a, with a one zero victory. Yeah, it wasn't the prettiest game uh, by any means. I mean, you had two teams that. 
uh, we're coming off the the cha- the Concacaf hangover. Uh, so, uh, especially it, like two different mentalities as well. Right, exactly. You know, Montreal they're a little a little bit on the hangover after the great the great uh, you know elimination of Pachuca. You're DC United. You you're obviously upset about being eliminated, but. Uh, I thought some positive signs there uh, in in the attack. Jairo Arrieta uh, could could wind up being one of the real smart pickups of the offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a guy who I know you were high on uh, coming into the season, and you thought that he could do well. Um, and I agree. I mean, he that he could end up helping them out quite a bit, uh, especially with the uncertain status of Eddie Johnson. We don't know exactly what's going on with Eddie Johnson. The team hasn't been forthcoming with any details on why he's out, what the condition is. Uh, uh, it's obviously some, there's a physical issue with Eddie Johnson that he's dealing with right now. Uh, so who knows, who knows if he comes back at all. So, and if he doesn't, Harry Arrieta could end up being a really important part of what they do there. As far as Montreal goes, uh, yeah, they just look, they look, they look flat. They look flat. Their attack didn't look that, uh, didn't look all that dangerous. Um, and you know, you wonder how much of that was the hangover from the champions league. Uh, but again, it's they're they're a team. I think most people project to be on the lower end of the of the league this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I think it, most people saw them starting slow. So we'll see what happens the rest of the way. Uh, Houston defeated Columbus one to zero. Another player that we have talked about that uh, I think you and I both think you know needs to have a huge year for his team and probably will have a big year. That's Giles Barn. He scores a goal in this one in the 66 minute. Positives though for Houston. Tyler Derrick taking over for Tally Hall. I mean he had a huge game for Houston. Six saves. Uh, keeps a clean sheet against Columbus and a, and a very good win for for Houston man over over quality Columbus side. No, Tyler Derrick, he's the guy. He's the guy. He uh, he showed last year, uh, the in 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 glimpses that he has good qualities. I know the fans there have been been saying for some time that if, if when he got his chance, he would be out. He would be a standout. And early on, it's looking pretty good. And uh, for me, he was the best goalkeeper in Week One in MLS. That includes Nick Romando. That includes uh, Clint Irwin. I thought Clint Ir- Irwin uh, was really good. For Colorado, but for me, uh, Tyler Derrick was outstanding and uh, great win for for Houston. Great win for Owen Coyle uh, to open up his account as as a manager in MLS. So you know the Dynamo, they they're they're an interesting one because you know when you look at the talent that they have, and they have Eric Kubo Torres coming on, uh, to, in the middle of the season, they're a team that if they get it if they put it together could be in that playoff conversation in the West, uh, a really jam packed playoff conversation in the West. Um, and you had to ask yourself how – their defense was a mess last year. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Their defense was a mess. Uh, they, go and add, they go and add the Spanish defender, Raul Rodriguez. Uh, you know, and, and you get a full year now out of DeMarcus Beasley. Right. You wanted to see how he, Beasley would look because uh, he, he didn't look necessarily that great when he got here last year. But obviously he comes in with the full preseason and has a chance to, to get things in order. But early signs, their defense looks pretty good. If, they're, if Owen Coyle can get that defense to be – a stingy unit and and and, uh, and a team that makes it difficult for everybody. Uh, they're going to compete. I think they are because I think they have enough attacking attacking qualities there with Brad Davis, Bonilla Garcia, Giles Barnes, eventually Eric Torres. They can be in the playoff conversation. I wasn't sure coming in because I didn't know if their defense would be good enough, but early signs their defense looks looks okay. Well, that's the thing with Houston. I would say, and, and quickly before we move on to the next one, with Houston though, when you look at their starting eleven, it's a solid starting eleven, and, and you'd be kind of hard pressed to look and say mm, that's kind of the weak spot. The one thing for Houston is the depth. I don't know if they're going to have the depth, but the starting eleven, if they can stay healthy, I mean that, that's a that's a solid starting eleven that any MLS team would like to have. I mean, there's some good players in there. Well, all right. Here's the thing. Their their attack. I mean, that was. I mean, last year their attack struggled and their defense was awful. This year their attack, I mean, it has some good pieces, but they need a wow guy. They need a guy mm-hmm. who can score goals. And Eric Torres is supposed to be that guy, and he's not coming till the summer, as far as we can tell. Um, they have, I mean, Boniek, Davis, Giles Barnes. I mean, those guys are all pretty good. Um, but I think they need Torres in there to be an elite attack. Well, and they, I think game changer is what you're saying. They need someone who right. can take over the game. Someone who can score goals, yeah. someone who can consistently score goals. And look, Giles Barnes, he can he sh- he showed he can score some goals, but I he's not a guy who's going to carry your attack. Not like a Bradley Wright Phillips or a Dom Dwyer or a Robbie Keane. I don't think Giles Barnes is on that level. So I think Eric Torres is. And once I think once he arrives, I think that puts Houston right into that into that conversation. 
But if Owen Cole can get this defense in order now and can get the pieces uh, in, to fit well in the attack now and get them into the playoff conversation from day one, then Torres could be the one who puts them over the top and really pushes them into that rarefied air of a top three place in the West, which I, I don't think many people at all would have pegged them for. But you never know, man. A good manager can make all the difference, and maybe Owen, Owen Coyle can be that exception to the rule of, of the foreign manager with zero ties to MLS being able to come to, come to MLS and have success. Yeah, I mean, this was definitely not a game you would want to show a, a casual fan to try to get them to love MLS because it was not, it was it was not that kind of game. It was not pretty by any means. FC Dallas fans will come away happy uh, that they got the three points. San Jose, not a lot of positives there to talk about. I mean, you manage it just two shots on goal. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're beaten in possession. You're beating. In, you're beaten in chances. Pretty much every stat there is. FC Dallas had the advantage in. Um, these are two teams for me. Look, I know Dallas, a lot of people have them pretty highly rated uh, in the West. I think they could actually take a step back this year because of KC's arrival and with teams like Houston and Vancouver who could maybe push ahead of them. Um, so they, they're an interesting team. They're an interesting team because I, I, they showed so much last year. And I'm a big Oscar Preha fan. I think he's a great manager, great coach. I think he could uh you know sort things out there and get them in and to keep them in that conversation among the top four top five teams in the west uh but it wasn't a beautiful opener by any means uh and if you're san jose i mean we all said it coming into the year you know mm-hmm. they did they do enough to their roster it's one thing that you bring in dom Kinnear. that's great he's one of the best coaches in the history of mls so you, you you'd like to think he's an upgrade he's an improvement over what they've had in recent years but you still need. It doesn't matter how good the chef is if the ingredients aren't good. You're not. You're not going to make a good meal. And right now, that's what. That's that's kind of what's going on. I think in San Jose is that I don't know if this team is good enough. If the if the the talent on the roster is good enough to be competitive, especially in the West. So uh, you know, for a first game, it didn't look good at all. Again, it's just the first game. Mm-hmm. We'll see how they continue to develop. We'll see if. You know, they can at least stay in the picture and then maybe in the summer they can add some pieces. But for right now, uh, I think it's going to be a long year in San Jose. I can I agree with you 100 percent on that one for Dallas, though. I mean, you do have some positives. The second half team was much more improved in the second half versus the first half. But still some some kinks that they need to work out. Philadelphia, Colorado, they played to a scoreless draw over the weekend. This actually was the sloppiest game. Uh, of the season, something that maybe you'd expect out of two teams opening game. Both these teams aren't really going to impress too much. I mean, we, you and I obviously, you and I are on the same page. We don't see both these teams even making the playoffs to begin with. But man, it, it was it was bad. I mean, Colorado Ivis they had less than sixty percent completed passes. Uh, they only had forty percent of the ball. Yes, we did see Clint Irwin deny Connor Casey at the end of the match, but. Colorado, Philadelphia, man, the, the, both these these two teams, Ivis, they they could be in for a very long seasons. I mean, I don't know. I I I, I think I like Philly more than most. Uh, I do agree on Colorado. I think Colorado, it's going to be a tough year for them. Uh, but this, yeah, this was an ugly match. Uh, look, Clint Irwin, uh, hats off to him. I thought he was the man of the match. Obviously, he came up big for Colorado. Philly really should have come away with the win in this one. Um, they had, they created the better chances. They had more of the ball. Um, when you look at Colorado, you're, you're talking about a team that started multiple rookies. Uh, they weren't. I, I think they they might have started as many rookies in 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 the, the opener as the entire rest of the league. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Or at least as many. They started two. They started uh, Axel Schoberg and uh, or Axel Hoiberg and uh, Dominic Baji, uh, who who both look. You know, they did all right. They 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 you know they didn't look completely overmatched. So from that standpoint, I guess that's a positive if if you're Colorado. Um, but I just don't know. Are they going to create enough chances? Uh, they, they, it was definitely an interesting lineup selection, to say the least, if you're looking at at uh, Colorado. And, and you wonder how much of that is – are there injuries or is this just the preferences? I mean, think about this. Dylan Powers, Deshaun Brown, Sam Cronin, Shane O'Neill, all on the bench to start this match. And, I mean – I think you know who who most people would have had those guys all in the starting lineup, but uh, obviously Pablo Mastrani has has other ideas. He he threw in the rookie Dominic Baji. He uh, he brought in uh, Lucas Pitanari, who uh, you know had a bunch of fouls and was pretty chippy uh, in there. Uh, he gave them a little bit of a, a little bit of bite in the middle. 
Uh, I'm a little surprised Sam Cronin doesn't get in there because Sam Cronin has, has been a consistent and a very solid midfielder in MLS for some time. So mm-hmm. you ask yourself, did they really go get Sam Cronin uh, for him to be on the bench? That was a little surprising. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm looking at their lineup, and I'm just – I just – when I look at that, it, it really – you know what? I, I, this is the best way I can put it. When I look at Colorado's lineup from the opening match, their starting lineup, it looks like an expansion lineup. It looks like an expansion. It looks worse than an expansion lineup. Can I tell you what? Orlando City, their starting lineup, uh, for me, more impressive than this Colorado starting lineup. Uh, and you could even argue that New York City FC's starting, uh, starting lineup for the opener, more impressive than this Colorado starting lineup. Now, again, as I said before, we don't know if it was injuries. We don't know exactly why Mastroeni didn't start guys like Powers and Brown and Cronin. But if it's if it's because of his preferences – then we then I think I think you could Colorado could be in for a really really long long season. Now as for Philly, I like Philly man. I think I think they I think the defense is okay it, it is can can be pretty uh, pretty solid and I think their attack is gonna is gonna do well. I think I like I mean I like my I like Vincent Noguera. Uh, I like the new forward Ariste Guetta. I think he's he's good. I think Wenger's gonna build on last year, which was which was a very good year. So I think Philly's gonna be okay, man. I think Philly's gonna be knocking on the door in the for the playoff conversation. Uh, I wouldn't write them off yet. Um, but yeah, no, this wasn't a game to, to, to write home about at the end of the day. No, not, not at all. Uh, well, Ivis, well, moving on from from all our uh, weekend recap, uh, now that the uh, CBA has been taken care of, Major League Soccer can for now refocus all their undivided attention on expansion. And Don Garber said that Major League Soccer is on track to decide the new locations for the expansion teams within 45 to 60 days. As we all know, there's two spots left. One of the spots is awarded to Miami if David Beckham can get that stadium done, which leaves one spot left. You have Sacramento, you have Minnesota, and you have San Antonio competing for that spot. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's it's going to get uh, it's going to get pretty uh, pretty feisty here over the next 45 days. I mean, all three of those cities are all deserving, and uh, I mean, they're going to want one of those expansion spots. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a dogfight right now when you look at it. Um, the thing again, it continues to be. Miami. What is the deal with Miami? MLS wants Miami. That's the worst kept secret in in, uh, MLS expansion right now. MLS absolutely wants Miami. They want that to happen. However, they're not going to budge on the stadium issue. Uh, That's what they're that's been their approach to all expansion markets. And I know people always bring up, well, what about NYCFC? They don't have a stadium. Why did they get special achievement? At the end of the day, they the league really thought NYCFC had a stadium plan in place and it was going to get worked out but then again new york politics reared its ugly head and killed that so now they're kind of left in limbo and it's not a pretty situation with nycfc and that and and playing in yankee stadium it's really sounding like it's turning into a bit of an ugly situation there uh and that's not even that's not even discussing their search for a, a permanent home i mean that sounds like it hasn't gotten anywhere at this point it's been complete silence from nycfc on their search for a, a permanent stadium project. So if you're Garber and you already are going through that, you definitely want no part of having to deal with that with another team. So it's not a, it's not really a case of double standard and, and of the like. If anything, it's it's the, the, the issues with NYCFC have made Garber and MLS all the more eager to avoid that again. And that's why Miami, they could end up losing out. And it's not looking great. It's not looking great. I mean, you all you ever hear – is 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 positive talk from the Beckham camp, but there's nothing tangible happening. There's nothing that you can really look at and say, yes, this is clear cut clear cut progress. They're gonna make it happen. So for right now, it's look it's not looking great. And if it's not looking great for for Miami, that makes it all the more likely that Minnesota, Sacramento, and San Antonio uh, can get one of those two spots. And for me, I think it's going to be Minnesota and Sacramento. I think they're going to get, get in Sacramento. I really get a vibe that it, that is going to, what you're seeing happen in Orlando now with Orlando city mm-hmm. is what you're going to see with Sacramento. I really, really completely believe that. And I think a, a lot of folks in MLS agree. And I think for that reason, they're going to get a team. And then I think Minnesota is going to get the other team. The big question for me for, for Minnesota is which ownership group gets it. Is it the NASL led group with, uh, you know, Minnesota United United, uh, or is it going to be the NFL-led group? And I know some people will say, oh, it's going to be the NFL group because MLS owners are all buddy-buddy. They're all NFL owners. They'll keep it in the family. <laughs> That's entirely possible. <clears throat> but I think either way, I think it's going to be good for for 
uh, for MLS because I think both those groups look pretty solid. And I mean, if it were up to me, I would go with the NASL group because they have been in soccer. They know how to make it work. They've done an outstanding job with their team in Minnesota. They've proven that they they've proved that they can succeed. So mm-hmm. why not give it to them? But again, we don't know what's going to happen. But long story short, I think Sacramento, Minnesota are going to take advantage of this Beckham, this Miami Stadium debacle. And I think they're going to be the next two teams. Yeah, I would like to see Major League Soccer stay away from Miami and focus on cities that have proven that they can support soccer, like you just said, Sacramento and Minnesota. You don't think there's any chance that San Antonio can somehow find a way in there? I mean, they are in the conversation. I think they are. But I think from a financial standpoint, I don't know if they can they can step up and, and necessarily provide the kind of uh, uh, money that it takes to, to get a team, to get an expansion team. I mean, uh, I, I don't know what the, the exact act asking price is right now. I mean, I know New York played uh, NYCFC paid 100 million. Uh, Atlanta's in now. And I know and I'm sure L.A. I think L.A. might have the, the new L.A. group might have paid 100 million as well. The, the price is really high. I don't know if San Antonio is ready to be able to handle that. I mean, it's a great market, and it'd be great if they get the, um, if they get in. But right now, I have to give the edge to Sacramento and Minnesota. Um, it, it, I would love to see all four of these cities like in a in a presidential debate, Ivis, where they can all argue their case on public TV. I think that'd be awesome. No, they would not. No. Oh my gosh! You, you, it would get, well, it would get dirty. They throw shade on each other. We, all right, here we go. You're gonna have all right. You have for Miami. You have Beckham. Of course. For Minnesota, you'll. I, Manny Lagos, because that guy could talk. That guy is, I mean, he's he's an impressive guy. Let me tell you, he's a good. Not only is he a good coach, the guy can talk. Uh, I, I spent a good a good part of uh, uh, the time my time at the combine. Uh, I can you know, I'll never forget it. Uh, I, I was I was witness to a pretty hilarious, entertaining, and impressive debate between Manny Lagos and uh, Gavin Wilkinson, the Portland Timbers uh, general manager. And and it was it was. I swear, I wish I could have recorded it. And put it on YouTube because it was just his whole battle of MLS and NASL, and it, it was just classic. <laughs> Look, Manny Lagos, the guy could talk. He 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 could win the debate for Minnesota, so he'd be there for Minnesota. Okay. Sacramento, Precky, I mean, Precky, of course. I don't know if Precky's the guy you want to have in a debate. I don't know if he's necessarily a, the most eloquent guy. Like he's kind of a, when he he pretty much he, he I feel like he fluctuates between silence and screaming. I think those are his two. <laughs> And those are his two, like, kind of... <laughs> Maybe that's know. what you want, though. He's the wild card. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to work in a debate. But, uh, but yeah, I know, in, as a coach, yes. In a debate, not so much. Uh, but, yeah, no, it'd be interesting. San Antonio, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you get, San, you get Tony Parker, you bring him in. I don't know. But, uh, but now, you know what? I, the one good thing, I think, is that all these markets are... The, well, you know, Miami is questionable. But the three markets we're talking about here... Any one of them, you look at it and you say it can work. It could do really well, and mm-hmm. that's that, that. That's what you want above all, because you don't want to uh, look at. You don't want to be looking at a market that has a lot of question marks. You want to look at a market that says, eh, "Is that going to work? What's the real evidence uh, that it's it can work?" I mean, look, and not to not not to kick any markets when they're down, but as an example, St. Louis, right? St. Louis, amazing history. In the sport in America, it's one of really the cradles of the sport in America. But you just never got the sense that it would necessarily blow up if you brought it there, and that's and that's part of the reason that they don't they're not even in the conversation. That and the fact that they don't have a, uh, a the ownership group that with, with the with the po- deep pockets to get it done. But I mean, that's just an example. Even when they were in the conversation, there were always some doubts. Like, could they really? Is this really going to work? Or are we are are we too caught up in the history? Uh, and not looking at can it work right now? So, and I, I think right with the three teams that are in the conversation right now, or three markets, you, you feel good about all of them. I feel I have for me, I have no doubt Sacramento will be a hit. I have no doubt Minnesota will be a hit. I have almost no doubt that San Antonio will be a hit. I have a little. I say almost. I I, I have them a notch below the others just because I feel like the others have done have been just amazing and outstanding in what they've done. So, but either way. All three of those are solid. You can't really go wrong with any of those three. Uh, all right, Ravis. We'll, we'll, we'll table this conversation because I'm sure over the next 
what it was that five six weeks we'll be we'll be talking heavily about MLS expansion and and who's you know who now takes the lead and, and news and, and look there's gonna be tons to talk about over the next five weeks so we'll table this conversation moving over to the national team the U.S. U17s are one more match away from from an automatic berth into the 2015 FIFA U17 World Cup this past week we talked about it they're on top of the group they played Honduras to a 2-2 draw and then on Wednesday the U.S. needs to outright beat Jamaica for an automatic berth into that World Cup. Uh, but overall, Ivis, the U-17s, man, they're, they're taking care of business, Ivis, and that's the important thing uh, for them right now. Yeah, I mean, they, look, they, they're we said it before the tournament, they're a good team. I know some people might have uh, did a double take when they didn't win, when they, when they only tied Honduras. Uh, but again, their best player didn't play. Honduras is a good team in this tournament, probably the second best team in this tournament. Second or third. It's also I mean, in Honduras as well. It's in Honduras. You have that home... Home field advantage, as we've seen in the past, uh, in past tournaments. Let's not forget that U20 uh, qualifying tournament in Guatemala, where Guatemala ended up eliminating the U.S. Um, so, look, they've done well. Richie Williams' team has done an outstanding job. Uh, they're probably going to qualify. I mean, they're good. I'm not going to jinx them, but they're probably going to qualify. <laughs> I don't want to jinx them. Uh, yeah, don't jinx them. I was they just have to win one of their next two games, and I'm pretty confident they're going to do that. Well, no, they, they have one more game in the group stage. If they win this one game in the group stage, they automatically qualify. Right. You, if, they you, lose, you want they, to, yeah. if they lose that, then you have to win the next one, right? Exactly. You have to win so the next one, which, which win you win want to one, avoid. Right? Isn't that what I said? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. True, true, true. <laughs> but you want to avoid that because, I mean, on the other side, Mexico and Canada are both still competing for that automatic berth in Group B. Costa Rica's having a good tournament. I mean, you, they said you, you win, U.S. is clear. Draw, anything else happens. I mean, U.S. is not out of the woods yet. So They'll, they'll be there. All right. I'm not even. No. I'm not going to jinx them, but I'm not worried about them qualifying. Let's put it that way. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad you didn't jinx them, Ivis. Uh, also, on the U.S. men's national team front, they have advanced to the final of the Algarve Cup, which is in Portugal. They'll be taking on France on Wednesday. And, uh, Ivis, um, for all the rumors that the U.S., as good as they used to be, they're having some problems. Ooh, here they are in the final of uh, of what is a very important cup for them. And they'll be taking on France, who they lost to, I think, about three weeks ago now. Um, and good opportunity for the U.S. to to win this and uh, definitely go into the World Cup as uh, kind of one of the uh, you know the, the one for the front runners. But a cup win here will put them even more as a front runner. Right. I mean, it would have been nice if people could actually have seen this last game. I mean, it wasn't it didn't air anywhere, but it's good to see them getting their results. Now they play France again, the same France team that made that you know outplayed them and beat them recently. So I think that's great for them to have that other that one more opportunity. To, to match up against one of the top teams in the world and show that they are one of the top teams in the world and they are someone that should be taken seriously as a as a as a MLS MLS sorry as a, a World Cup yeah <laughs> I'm, go. I got I'm MLS on the brain obviously the past two weeks but the women if if, if they beat France then then they're right back in that conversation as a World Cup favorite one of the favorites if they lose again then maybe you have to start accepting the reality that. This U.S. team isn't isn't a favorite. They're not a favorite. They're a good team. They could be in the conversation, but I don't know, man. I just feel like this women's team is is, is missing something. It's not it's not a slam dunk uh, pick. And obviously, in the World Cup, U.S. women have been far from that through the years. But uh, we'll see. This France game is big. If they can step it up, show they can play a team like that and outplay them, then then you can start getting serious about. Them as a World Cup favorite. That uh, that Cup final will be on Wednesday. U.S. against France. Moving over to Europe, uh, sixth round of the FA Cup took place this past weekend, and uh, an Arsenal Ivis defeated Manchester United uh, two to one. And Arsenal right now kind of looks like the favorite to uh, to to host the FA Cup trophy at the end of the day, as of right now, after the defeat over Manchester United. Uh, it's a big one. And look, Danny Welbeck, you have to love. You have to be happy for Danny Welbeck because here's a guy. Who Manchester United gave up? They did. Louis Van Gaal went public and said, "You know what? This guy's not good enough. He's just not good enough." That's why he, you know, him Van Gaal and his swagger and his arrogance. He just is like, "Eh, he's not good enough. We don't need him." Meanwhile, they get rid of him. They go get a guy. They go get Falcao, and he won't even use Falcao. And that, and then in in, in the same breath, here's Dan, Danny Welbeck scoring the winner. And of course, you have to give the assist. To Antonio Valencia for just an absolute shocking play to just tee it up on a platter. Credit to Welbeck for pouncing uh, on the blunder. Uh, and if, if you're an Arsenal fan, you got to be pretty happy. The only drawback if you're an Arsenal fan about winning this game 
is the fact that Piers Morgan will not kill himself as he said he would if Arsenal lost. Piers, but Piers Morgan, man, he is—he's too much, man. He—he—he. He, he, Piers I, Morgan I, like, said that, man. I'm sorry, I'm going to start rooting against Arsenal, then. Well, that's the thing, Arsenal. <laughs> I mean, it, it, there you got a lot of conflicted Arsenal fans because you know what's funny is, <laughs> I think as much as Piers Morgan is an Arsenal uh, Arsenal fan, I feel like Arsenal fans hate Piers Morgan as much as as non Arsenal fans. He's just—he's—he's he's annoying. He's annoying. It's just he's 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 an awful human being. But uh, but anyway, <laughs> Ooh, there's no other way to say it. he's an awful human being on Twitter. Anyway, he's he's an awful, and there's enough of those. But uh, but yeah, no Arsenal. They they showed some quality well back. Who I thought would do well there. I know he hasn't been a goal machine for them. Uh, but you know what? It's looking like they're one step closer to winning another FA Cup. Uh, also in Europe, uh, the UEFA Champions League returns to action um, this week. Actually, games get underway depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, on Tuesday, some other games will also be played on uh, on Wednesday. This is the second leg of the round of 16. Obviously, we got a lot of teams in action and a lot of intriguing matchups. Um, Ivis, when, when you look at the second leg of the round of 16, um, who do you have? I mean, who do you think could pull off uh, an unbelievable upset here in the, over the next week? I don't know if I see an upset. I got to tell you. I mean, I, I, when you're looking at the matchups and the way the first legs went, uh, the matchup everyone's going to watch this week is Chelsea PSG. And you know, Chelsea, it's going to it's uh, that's going to be a tough matchup there. Uh, I like Mourinho. I, I, I like. Uh, I, I think Chelsea's going to do it. I think they're going to do it at home. Uh, but that's the one you're going to want to watch. I don't think Shakhtar is going to beat Bayern in, in, in Munich. I think they they showed well in the first leg. Uh, to keep it close, but I, I just think Bayern's going to show their quality. Madrid took care of business in the first leg on the road, so I think they're going to cruise as much as they're, they're having their own issues. And I think Porto Basel uh, on Tuesday, I don't think, listen, listen folks, I don't, unless you're a hardcore Real Madrid fan and you have to watch them every minute, anytime you can, uh, you need to watch Porto Basel. That is going to be, for me, probably it could be the more, most entertaining match of the of the week in Champions League. So. If you can watch that Porto Basel, I'll complete, I would absolutely recommend it. And then there's obviously Chelsea PSG, which will be the marquee matchup of the week. And I'm going to go with Chelsea. I'm going to go with uh, Jose Mourinho is going to going to work some magic and get them through to the next round. Also, the uh, the other the other four matchups will be played next week. So if you're wondering where the where you know where Manchester City is and, and and Barcelona and Arsenal, those those will be next week on March 17th and March 18th. And we have also now reached the end of the SBI show. Before we close, we're going to do an SBI Q and A. Remember, everyone on Twitter, you can always ask us questions at any time of day. That's a one o'clock in the morning. 10 o'clock in the morning when you're at work zoning out, shoot us a question on Twitter. Use hashtag AskTheSBI. Show, Ivis, first question comes from Gunner. When will the details of the CBA officially come out adding DP? Uh, well, they still have to vote on it. They, they still have to do the formal ratification vote, which is when all the players uh, actually vote. And that's going to be an interesting one because I can tell you right now uh, – you're going to have a section of players that the, the way it normally works is when you have the, you have situations like this where there, there there has to be a ratification vote and it's already clear one side's going to win. You start playing the whole game to try to make the look the final vote look better uh, just for appearances sake. And I'm sure right now uh, you're, you're having the union talk to these players and say, listen, it's already it's already been resolved. It's already been decided. So just go ahead and vote. Yes. So it looks better for the public. And we'll see if that's actually what happens. We'll see if. If, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to have a lot of players who are upset with this, uh, the way things shook out, and they're going to vote no regardless. And it's I don't it's not going to end up close. I don't really don't think that because I don't think enough players are are, are that um, like vocal about it or that that strong in their opposition. But I think you're going to have a section of fan, uh, of players that are going to vote no regardless. And and I that final vote. It's going to be a very interesting number. Uh, next question comes from the MMA guy. Ivis, will you be at Yankee Stadium for the opener? Of course. Of course I'll be there. I'll be there uh, on Sunday. Uh, NYCFC, I tell you what, I was I was pretty impressed uh, at the turnout of NYCFC fans in Orlando. They had a nice little pocket of, uh, of fans. There was the whole sea of purple and a little pocket of uh, light blue there. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, you're hearing good things about about the total number of ticket sales. They just opened up the 400 level at Yankee Stadium. So now it's going to be fully open. So I, I think they 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 believe they can get pushed up close toward 40,000 or more 
for the opener. So we'll see. We'll see what, what goes on there. Uh, I'm not hearing great things about the, the, the condition of the field. Is that going to be ready? Are, are the Yankees going to you know sort that out? Because obviously the weather has been terrible in the area. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I've been to Yankee Stadium for soccer games before, but this is going to be a little different. This is not going to be a friendly. This is going to be an official match. Uh, next question comes from Chad Moon. Do you eat Honey Nut Cheerios for breakfast in honor of Omar Little? Uh, I do not. Uh, my kids do prefer Honey Nut Cheerios. Uh, we eat all different kinds of cereals. I've actually tried to get away from the sugar cereals. Uh, I usually either go with uh, an omelet or a fruit smoothie, uh, you know, just throw a bunch of bananas and some strawberries, some blueberries in the blender with some water, knock that out. That's, that's what I've been trying to stick to. I'm d- I've done pretty well with that. Um, it's, it's always lunch and dinner when you start to – it all falls apart and you start eating really bad food. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, for breakfast, c- cereal-wise, I would say my favorite cereals, uh, when, I ate, when I ate cereal regularly, uh, I'd go Fruity Pebbles, uh, Fruit Loops, Captain Crunch. Okay. Which which Captain Crunch though? Uh just a regular one. Regular one? Yeah. Crunch berries. Crunch berries is pretty good. Oh, I'll see, go I, I like the peanut butter Captain Crunch. Can't go wrong that, with that. Yeah, that's that's fine. It can be a little much. It can be a little much. But that uh, on certain days I can enjoy that. Uh all right. <laughs> I think how we all know what I was eat for breakfast. <laughs> Uh, next, eggs qu- yeah, eggs and eggs and fruit. Next, next question comes from Jonathan Moore. Which team looked least impressive in Week One? Uh, least impressive. Uh, I got it. Uh, New England. New England. Uh, <sighs> mm, you know what? Not, it's not even fair to say New England. Uh, I'll say San Jose. I'll say San Jose of the teams that you know. Yeah, I'll go San Jose. Uh, who had the more impressive win? I'm sorry. A backup question to Jonathan. It's a two-parter one. Um, who had the most impressive win? Toronto, LA, or Seattle? I'm gonna go Seattle, uh, and you know what? You could say Toronto on the you know. Hmm, I, you know what? I'll say Toronto because they were on the road, playing a pretty decent team in Vancouver, and they took care of business. I'll go Toronto. Uh, next question comes from Big Heck. How do you think the center back pairing of Evans and Marshall will fare this year? I think it could go very well. I think you have Marshall, who can be that kind of dominant presence, aerial threat, aerial presence. And then you have Evans, who's got that quickness, and and he reads the game really well. He's gonna he's gonna put himself in good positions. I think this is one of the better moves that Siggy Schmidt has made in recent years is to is to go with that that move because it's always tough to find good center backs. It just is. And when you can take a player like Evans, you can move him to center back. Obviously, he's gonna it's gonna take him some time to get uh, to get used to it again to to kind of relearn it or to learn it uh, fully. But I think he, I think it's gonna it's gonna work out great. And the final question comes from Connor Rivera. How did you and Garrett cleverly become a team? Uh, it was just Garrett reaching out, and uh, it, it was perfect timing, really, because Garrett uh, he 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 joined the SBI staff as a writer, uh, and I and I knew he yeah yeah believe it or not I know trust me you don't want to read the stuff he writes but anyway that's uh, that's unfair <laughs> I'm actually a very good writer now when uh, I first contacted now, you, now you are. <laughs> when I first contacted you three years ago my writing was more than a little raw right. Right. So anyway, he was he was on the staff. He's starting out. He was starting to write for me, and I was still kind of having that hunger to to have a show. And obviously, I've been talking about uh, an SBI uh, podcast for years, and people had had wanted one for years. And it, and then we just got we just got to talking. Uh, and and funny enough, Garrett in his in his slick ways, he always intended to try to to to, to start a show, and so he just waited for the moment, and he pounced. And, and credit to Garrett, he helped make it happen. If not for Garrett, maybe we never have a show. Thanks, thanks, Ivis, for the nice, for the kind words. Yes, the writing not so good. I mean, the, yeah. <laughs> getting the show to, to happen, amazing. <laughs> I'll give you that. Thanks, I, I appreciate that. As the key with with Ivis and everything is, just email him nonstop. He'll eventually email you back. Either shut up or okay, what do you want, kid? <laughs> that, that's the way to go. That's the, yeah, exactly. One email's not getting it done, folks. If you if you're trying to reach out, if you want to write write for us or. Contact me if you just send one email. It's 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 their chances are I'm probably going to miss it because I just get so many emails. But the, all the, I can without fail, the people who have who've who've made it on SBI and have stuck in SBI and have succeeded in SBI are people who who were persistent and uh, and eventually got through. Yeah, well, it's also timing, right, man? I I just I happened to be talking to you about podcasts, and then you're like, well, why don't we do one? And I was like, okay. <laughs> funny how life works out man look at us yes. year yes, three sir. of the year three of the sbi show approaching episode 200 yes crazy Dest- 
Destiny. It was Destiny. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right, Ivis. Well, uh, that concludes today's SBI show. Anything else we need to, uh, we need to break down before uh, before I let you go? Uh, no, no, we're good. I think we covered uh, covered everything. We'll see if we can get another show during the week. I can tell folks we're going to sh- shoot for uh, having shows on Monday and Friday. That's going to be the goal. Um, obviously, this week was a little tough since they had the Sunday night Sunday game. I'm in Orlando, mm-hmm. uh, so you know I was busy with all that. I had to hit the club on Sunday night and all oh, that. So, you know, we, 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 you know, there was all that. I love, I love how was, you had to hit the club. Hey, Amen. <laughs> it's part of the job, but uh, but nah. So it was good. You know, we we'll we'll shoot for Mondays uh, and Fridays. So I, I know people have been complaining about the, the the show not being on a good tight schedule. It's been really tough for us to get our our, our schedules uh, coordinated. But yes. I, I think we will try from now on to have shows Monday and Friday. Works for me. All right, Davis. Well, I'm gonna let you go. Um, you have a good rest of the day, and I'll chit-chat with you later this week. Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for the comments. And thank you for the reviews, also the uh, the questions on Twitter as well. That is Ivis Galarsep. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is The SBI Show. Yeah.